0: for 20% off your first system.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. hello. Okay, ladies, that's how we test our audio every week. Why do we do that? We've...
2: We're like a cult that doesn't question our practices. We just
1: do that. We do that every week and then we delete it afterwards and start the podcast. And this week I thought you guys can get a behind the scenes look. Love island after what do they call it? Love Island after dark or some shit. An exclusive into the inner workings of our Our fucking process. (laughs) We're back together, babies.
2: So happy, we're so happy to be reunited. But it does come under this is just very AWD. Sad, it's always a happy moment tinged by sad, which is that my grandma, who I love very much, passed away two days ago. And I don't know, it's weird. I haven't had like a close family member pass away before.
1: I thought that when it happened, I was like
2: the queen of death.
1: (laughs) i'm literally the grim reaper i like went and took your grandma (laughs) sydney um no yeah i i know yeah you haven't had anyone close to you die it's grief is a very weird thing to get your head around in the shower this morning which i've thought about multiple times is like there's no good copyright girls i'll fucking come for you there's no good grief handbook thing. Yes. I me and my friend were talking about this in LA because I was like, I want to give you something to like help you through mm. the process, but there's nothing, there's no go-to thing other than kind of like, um, <laughs> what, Joan Didion's book. Yes. Um, Which is why she wrote that, right? Because it was after her, her husband died.
2: She found it was all like religious mm. or very clinical.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I spoke to a friend whose dad had died and she was saying the same thing she was just like there's no thing that you because grief is such a weird process and it's not linear at all that Mm -hmm. sometimes you'll feel fine and then sometimes you'll feel really shit and sometimes you'll forget and then you'll remember and you're like what the fuck
2: yeah so I found out so my my grandma was had dementia and wasn't well for a while and I think I think this is the thing with grandparents passing away is that You almost feel like less entitled to (laughs) being sad because obviously people, you can be sad, but it's, you know, you're like, they're older, they're not well, it's not like a huge surprise. Mm -hmm. But even if you totally have your brain around the idea of that, when it actually happens, like you say, you just have no control over how you respond and you also kind of get flooded with... I don't know, we were talking about this before and even when you know someone is sick, there's just a part of you in your brain that just doesn't actually think
1: they're going to die
2: and when they do, it's just still Is that optimism bias thing? Yeah,
1: yeah, totally. Where you think they're going to be fine. Even when like my stepdad was diagnosed with cancer, you just think that they're going to be okay or you yes. think that it's, it's going to work out. It's funny with grandparents too because I think because everyone has grandparents who die, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just going to happen at some point whatever, but it's really sad. It is sad.
2: My, I was really, really close with my grandma who passed away and my granddad who's still alive. They, like, moved over from England when we were young and we were just very, very – they were kind of, like, not second parents but very close with them. And I think the thing with dementia – so many people have dementia. I was reading about it, like, in the last couple of days. 800,000 people in the UK have it.
1: Yeah, that's it's like a lot. It's insane,
2: so many people. And it's just this horrible disease because you're almost – grieving for someone while they're still alive because, mem- you know, memory's like the essence of who we are or whatever. Like once you lose that, you're sad about them but they're still around. But I think the thing I'm finding hardest is just, which you would understand as well, this is when being away from home just feels really hard because mm. you just, you know you're missing all of these like important moments where you want to be there with your family and you just feel quite guilty in the distance feels really big
1: yeah that's sad
2: i know but it's just life i guess
1: yeah it's also um i think i think grief kind of is one of those things that really or i don't know it's any kind of traumatic thing but it really brings you closer to people in a way Mm because you just like well actually it can it can in really close family circumstances that can either bring you closer or tear you apart yeah. when you have <laughs> fucking werewolves after wills <laughs> and inheritance yes
2: exactly everyone oh has God. it's
1: so funny the more you speak about stuff like that with people when you like because i'm very good at getting deep into i guess i get deep i like have DMS <laughs> over fucking coffee the first time i meet people <laughs> and it's funny once you start talking about stuff like that because every family does have just so many. well most families have so many crazy things happen but um with grief i think with other people it like really helps you bond like I've made so many friends through grieving totally and it's like that thing that people say where when you're
2: actively going through it it was actually it's not it's not funny but it was just ridiculous I was flying back from a work trip in Italy and they had wife complimentary wi-fi for an hour on the plane which they never ever have and I connected to it and like three minutes after connecting to it I picked up the phone to my mom who called me on whatsapp (laughs) I was like, mom, I'm on the plane listening to – I'm on the plane. I'm connected to Wi-Fi. And she was like, oh. And I could tell she was really upset. And she said, oh, well, I'll wait till you land. But I, I said, well, just tell me now because I'll know it's something really bad. And then she was like, oh, we'll just wait till you land. And I was like, okay. So you basically told me. And you know how you – At altitude, you cry more anyway. I had like two glasses of wine and like this two-hour flight already and I was just crying and crying and crying on the plane and I was so embarrassed by myself crying that I was trying to like look out the window and not let anyone see. Yes, we've all been there. It was terrible. And then I was trying to put on happy songs to not – to get me out of the sad mood and they were just making me cry. It was just so bad. But, you know, when you are in that space of grief and sadness, you kind of almost recognise it in other people or maybe you just think you do. But you feel <laughs> yes. there's like an, a frequency you tap into where you get yes. the vibes of other people going through shit.
1: What were the happy songs?
2: Um, there's this song. Wait, what's it called? Have you seen The Family Stone?
1: No. What it's is so that?
2: random. It's this movie with Sarah Jessica <laughs> Parker and there's like, wait, let me find it. I'll okay. find the song for you because you'll really like it.
1: An AWD banger to add yes. to the <laughs> It's like a existence. jolly
2: song that I know you really like. <laughs>
1: Oh my god! I should make a Spotify playlist with all our silly songs. Oh yes, this song. This is a tune. <laughs> yeah, but this would still make you cry.
2: Yes, I was like listening to that and crying. <laughs> 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 it was so silly. And I didn't hate try- like. Cry. I mean, no one likes crying in public, but I was really like, this is so humiliating
1: oh during the great depression <laughs> I, I used to like cry openly on the train i just like didn't give a fuck like i'd literally be on the train like 8 30 in the morning just like sobbing and like staring
2: down anyone who looked yeah i remember i could tell there was a really nice guy next to me i could tell he wanted to like ask but my vibes were saying don't don't do it i remember when you said you were like
1: crying in the lounge in switzerland <laughs>
2: Oh right. yeah, that
1: yeah. was yeah. I was yeah, I was crying in um, the Qantas business lounge, Sheik. and this like, I know this cute woman kept trying to help me. That was when I was like legally blind,
2: <laughs> legally blind, <laughs> um, legally blind too. <laughs> legally <laughs> blind.
1: <laughs> uh, it's like when she does when Elwood doesn't become a lawyer, she instead um, breaks up with that guy and goes blind, <laughs> and then it's about her finding love <laughs> with. It's a stick and a dog. <laughs> yeah. The dog's a guide dog. Yeah. Or her finding love with the guide dog trainer
2: <laughs>
1: or something. That's legally blonde three.
2: Legally, bl- yeah, legally blind three. That's funny. But I do just want to say, even though it's a bit cheesy, that my grandma was fucking G. She was super cool. She like finished, she was like a war baby and she finished school. At, like, twelve <laughs> managed to get this incredible job. She got this job at Nestle factory and she worked her way up and when she left you needed an economics degree to do her job. And she just worked there for ages and she was like a legend and she one time a guy stole her parking space and she got out and kicked him with the balls. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you need to go back to Sydney um to to wait, where is she? Perth. I keep thinking yeah. Sydney for some reason. Yeah um, Perth. So that you can do the eulogy and that's it. (laughs) But my grandma was a fucking
2: legend. She was a fucking G. Like, she was very cool and, like, badass and men were terrified of her and also wanted to buss her, so. Mm, Love. Love.
1: Wait, I need to confiscate this Christmas bauble (laughs) from the cat. (laughs) He loves his Christmas (laughs) Stop.
0: Stop.
1: (laughs) He's like, he has a guilty look. No, he's like, where's the bauble gone? (laughs) 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 yeah we bought these for the christmas tree and he like they're his favorite thing in
2: the world i want to be a cat sometimes i just want to tune out of life (laughs) i I I can turn into one like his biggest
1: worries are the flies that come inside and he's like pretty good at hunting them and when i take away his christmas baubles
2: i know he looks very depressed and sad now (laughs)
1: <laughs> I want I do I would pay such good money to find out what actually goes on in his brain because apparently they when you Someone just told me this. I haven't done any research, but someone said that when you go away, like cats have no sense of time mm. or something. So yeah. I always feel really guilty when we're away, when I was away for three weeks, I was like, oh my God, he must miss me so much. Uh-huh. And he was really happy when I came home. But then also this morning I went for a run and I came home and he gave me like the same greeting because he just thinks it's like you're you're gone and then the you're back. Distance. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. You're gone for 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> Come back. Like the lion. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like the lion.
2: Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I feel like it's good. I feel like it's sometimes nice to talk about death. My, I think I have a good grasp on death because my dad, when I was young, always talked about, he was always like, you're going to die. I'm going to die. Everyone's going to die. Everyone, oh everyone you love is going to die. And I was like, okay. But I feel like, I think we should talk about it more. Like we were talking when I was mm. away about how back in the day, people used to have picnics in graveyards, like in the 1800s or something. And they were considered happy, festive places to go. And it was almost like you were hanging out with your your family there. No, I like we're, that. And
1: now we're very anti-death in our culture. We, like, hate talking about it. We hate being near it. That's why we hate aging because it yes. stresses us out. And that's why we hate – we talked about this when we were talking about Ione's book about sickness. Yes. We never want to talk about sickness because we're, like, worried we're going to, like, catch it and then die. Yes, and that's what – I mean, dying is scary. I'm, I actually – I'm <laughs> not scared of, like, dying itself – but I would be scared of kind of just I don't know, being like sick or something. Or just I'm scared of like the FOMO of dying. Like I think <laughs> 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 Like I'm just like
2: you'll miss you'll just die and then you just miss out on like every single thing that happens after that. It's so unfair. We should be allowed to live forever, I feel.
1: Yeah, I know. I do think that. I'm like, why can we fly planes, which also is not discussed enough that we can actually fly planes. It's quite scary when you're in one and you think about it. I know. I'm like, this is insane. see <laughs> anyone else you think can that? From a, you can
2: find out about the death of a loved <laughs> yeah. one from a fucking plane <laughs> from, from your parents on the no. other side
1: of the world. Isn't that crazy? Um, that you can't live forever. <laughs> yeah. There's no thing to live horcruxes need to be horcruxes oh, yeah well phaedra
2: um, my best friend phaedra who's a nurse was saying that she's like a cardiac nurse and she was saying that what she thinks is a problem she was fixing a stent or whatever it's called i don't know in, a, that in a heart for a 99 year old and she was basically saying we figured out how to keep the body alive for longer but not the brain so you've got all these older people who are having like very like living to the 100 100 304 are physically healthy but they're getting dementia or their brain is like Ah. your brain starts to die basically
1: that's so even if you can be alive and she was
2: saying it's kind of like is it even nice a good thing to be able to prolong Mm. you know there's probably a lot of times where you could have a very nice painless death surrounded by loved ones that's now just being dragged out
1: yeah i also just think there'd be too many people in the world Mm -hmm. because we just keep having so many children
2: yeah, of course. Yeah, I didn't even think that. <laughs> <laughs> If we could stop having children and all stay alive. Everyone would do it. Everyone would do it, but only if you didn't get old. Yeah. I don't want to just keep getting older and older oh, and older and older. And it? And you got it. No, I want to be like be... a
1: vampire, like Edward. Yes, I want to be this age. Same, maybe 28. Well, oh, how old yeah, are you, 28? Yeah. yeah, that's the best. I would like to stay your age forever. Yeah. That's Pink. a chic age
2: yeah it's good age yeah you feel like comfortable with yourself but you're you're still kind of hot. i
1: can't believe i'm 31 am i yes I, am <laughs> i yes are you
2: 31 i think
1: so oh two yeah
2: two years apart yeah that's right no that's... two and a half years because i'm my birthday yeah i was yeah. gonna say that's three crazy okay on to less depressing topic
1: about my, yeah my age <laughs> yes um okay so you're gonna fucking love this recommendation Mm -hmm. i had a different one i had to swap it out because i went to like one of the premieres of the film i was obviously gonna invite you but you were all like sad and grieving (laughs) um the premiere of the new film pleasure so Mm. it is about the porn industry your favorite topic say no more my favorite industry (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) um and basically this swedish woman who's the director ninja is her name which is shiva come on you're not allowed to be so hyped testing the waters (laughs) um this swedish director her name is ninja that's her literal name amazing thaiberg she has been this kind of feminist filmmaker for years and she was at the thing I went to last night and then she did a Q&A after so she explained a lot about the film but basically the film itself is uh follows this young girl from Sweden who moves to LA to make it in the porn industry mm-hmm. and her name's Bella Cherry and it goes through it just shows the porn industry in this way that heaps of critics and everyone's kind of saying has never been done before because it's it's also. A done from the like female gaze Mm -hmm. and it kind of explores all of these different sectors of of it, including like the illusion of consent, how young girls are kind of coerced, the way the industry is built to make you feel as though you're sort of competing with the other young girls they're put into houses together Mm, so like model house yeah model is literally called a model house with all the girls of one agent there's also obviously agents who are better than others and their girls are destined for fame and it depends on what you're willing to do on camera how who will book you and uh the ninja the director so she did a Q&A after and explained how she got into it. And she said at 16, she was shown porn by her then boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And she just felt so angry about it and became an anti-porn activist. Mm-hmm. And then she found out about feminist porn. But then she also found that like so much of it is kind of essentially the same thing, but with a different, just a lot of it is like not actually changing much at all. Um, So then she decided to make this short film about it and it did really well and got nominated for all these awards. And then eventually she was like, I'm going to make this movie. She moved to LA in 2014 and for five years did research, just like immersing herself in the porn Mm. industry there. Sophia Kappel, who is the main actress who plays Bella Cherry, she's the only actress in the entire film and everyone else is from the industry. Mm. And they're either playing a version of themselves or like someone else. And Sophia, and Sophia moved from Sweden to LA with Ninja and they lived together for five years and just Jeez. like immersed themselves in the industry. And before they started filming, they both got Balachiri tattoos because in the movie you can see that Ninja has a Balachiri tattoo. And um, sorry, Balachiri has a Balachiri tattoo <laughs> and then Ninja also has one. That's so nice. Yeah, I'm so interested.
2: I would love to watch that. Great wreck. I'm really interested in, there's just not, I find that, people tend to be either super pro-porn or super anti-porn and there's not many, like, nuanced takes in between. Mm. And it sounds like this is really that. It can it showcases yes. that there is autonomy and there is people actively choosing to do it and it you, it's not just that women are forced into it like a sort of modern-day sex slave trade. However, there is obviously a huge amount of, like, exploitation, coercion. Mm.
1: Yeah, and she purposefully didn't show anyone's backstory. So you Mm. don't know why Bella Cherry got into it. You don't know why any of the other girls got into it because she was just like, that's not the point. Like there are a billion different reasons why people get into porn, including because they want to and they enjoy it, ranging from like like, many different factors. And it also isn't, that's not the point. Chloe Cherry's interview on
2: Forbidden Fruits was like very insightful to me on that as Mm -hmm. well, where she was basically saying that she just like fell in love with it as almost an art form and as a way to express her sexuality and everything she's done has been totally enthusiastic and she loves producing and directing and I guess writing and all of this stuff. But then obviously for every, I feel like for every Chloe Cherry, there's probably many who don't feel that way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah, the film just never feels gratuitous, even though it's mm. showing so much sex. Right. Right. And it's just shot in such a cool way. The main actress is such a good actress. I just think it's, yeah, really great. Obviously all shot from the female gaze. It also shows the difference between like feminist porn and other – because she goes on a feminist porn set and she Mm. was like, oh, I really enjoy uh, kind of being submissive and I really enjoy like being dominated and Mm. being tied up and being slapped. So she told her agent that and then her agent sent her to just a normal shoot where it was rough and it was like – horrific yeah that which is like a very hard scene to watch Mm. but the whole film is it's just yeah brilliantly done out on your favorite streaming site movie love i mean (laughs) our problematic fave yes owned by jeff is it yeah movie yeah it's amazon
2: i know he's really got the market cornered on every single product in the world
1: movie's so chic Mm -hmm. oh fucking hell i know drives Uh, me crazy
2: out friday out friday okay amazing pleasure Pleasure, everyone, everyone. Watch. I have no recommendations except to <laughs> say that I'm. I have been watching Stranger Things. Oh yeah, how is it? It's it's cute. I I kind of dropped off with it and was a bit indifferent, but it's it was cute.
1: Yeah, a whole gang. Yeah, I haven't watched it since like season two. But yeah, I had to watch season three. What is this note it. in our doc that you said? Everyone listening to Kate Bush again.
2: Yeah, so this connects to it is (laughs) that there's a scene in the new uh, season where they play Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush and now it's like in the charts again literally after like 30 years because all these Gen Zers have never heard of her before and there's all these TikToks of people saying, oh, my God, and people unearthing old video clips of her and sharing them. There's one where she's making a tea and she just keeps pouring the hot water. So the tea just spills everywhere all over the sink when she's being interviewed, and she just acts like that hasn't happened and just hands it to the person. <laughs> she, she's so chaotic.
1: I saw someone doing the dance to or oh, the Wuthering
2: Heights dance. The Wuthering yes. Heights
1: dance, which Grace knows.
2: Yes, that was the first night I met
1: Amma. Amma, <laughs> my my the first. <laughs> first night Grace ever met, which is like quite a funny thing. He was just like it was so random for you to invite me <laughs> to that, but it was <laughs> so funny. He was also like so obsessed with you because you had your like sparkly prada dress on <laughs> um and then we went back to grace's house and her and zach performed the withering heights dance <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's
2: my favorite yeah okay i love that everyone's obsessed with kate bush again now i yeah. think it's a great sign of the times and that's all i have to say
1: okay i put five minutes against it it was ambitious <laughs> <laughs> no i mean we've rambled about death for so long that we're not even going to be able to fit anything into the schedule. But what we need to talk about um, of utmost importance is, I would say, I mean, how many weddings have there been this year? There's been Kravis. There's There's been Chloe Sevigny, Sevigny. obviously. yeah, And now Britney Spears, Sam Ashkari. I don't know. His name's not in front of me. Mr. Spears. (laughs) Mr. Spears. (laughs) Uh, got married. They got married at Britney's home. I guess their home in LA. Selena Gomez was there. Madonna was there. Drew Barrymore was there. Paris Hilton was there. On that last point, Paris Hilton was asked to DJ <laughs> at a soiree following the Summit of Americas in Los Angeles by none other than President Joe Biden. But Paris said... On her podcast, which I didn't know she had and I must listen to, that Britney's wedding was much more important to me than to DJ for the president and all other presidents around the world for the dinner. I agree. I think she's of absolutely spot on. Made the right decision. Ansel Elgort was there, which nobody announced, but in the back of, you'll see on our doc, in the back of a photo where Britney's wearing some like insane black thing and has no shoes on and her hair's back, Ansel Elgort's at the right, the right back. Why? I'm not sure. So what
2: my my vibe of the wedding guests, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that Brittany is like Rapunzel and has been like trapped in a tower for 15 years and hasn't been able to communicate with anyone. So literally just picked eight people she wanted at her wedding, whether she knew them or not, and that's who came.
1: Anyone would come if they were invited. That's
2: what I mean. But I feel like I, I, I got the vibe that she doesn't know Drew Barrymore, really. No. She said she's my ultimate girl crush. I'm so happy she was at my wedding. Yes. And then she said that she's obsessed with Selena Gomez and she was so
1: beautiful. She mm-hmm. said something like – she said something where I'm trying to find the, the quote right now, but she said something like, she's much prettier in person, by the way. And I was <laughs> like, why is this so funny? <laughs> but that's so Britney Spears. I feel like she just span around and was like,
2: I want Madonna. I want Drew Barrymore. I want – and she just did a little Christmas list of who she wanted at her wedding and everyone just said, okay – and then said Ansel Elgort for some reason. Why would she would have seen I him? I think
1: like I actually think Ansel is a Sam invite. Invi- <laughs> invited? Really? Because I have no backing for this. But you know how Sam wants to be an actor? Yeah. I feel like he's met Ansel at some event. And then Ansel's kind of being nice because it's Britney Spears' his husband. I don't know why Britney would know Ansel.
2: Neither. Unless she saw West Side Story. But I don't, I don't take her for a
1: musical girl. So she wore, <laughs> I love Paris. I want a pic of Brittany on her Instagram where she's dancing. And Paris did a hashtag sliving bride. <laughs> <laughs> she's so great. Um, so basically my, my main question is why the pic that they released as their like main announcement that they were married is that one.
2: I was obsessed with the like rollout from it because it all felt so chaotic and it it had the feeling. But this is the thing I don't fully understand and I'm so enamored and perplexed by with Britney Spears is her videos have the feeling of being very ad hoc and off the cuff, but then they're edited in this way where a lot of time and effort has to be put into it. I was even thinking like in that weird compilation video she did, the way the music's been edited has been done professionally, but it looks like it's been sl- like slapped together on iMovie. So I think that's just how, she- that's the aesthetic that she likes. So everything. The video
1: of her wedding, you mean? I'm on it now.
2: Yeah. There's a, what, there's a cute one that's super thing, but the one that's, but she says living is giving and it's just cut together. And it's lots of like kind of seemingly random videos cut together oh, that look like yeah. they're done on handheld. Yes. But then when you listen to the music, it's, it's like being properly cut together by a team.
1: (laughs) She's so funny. I
2: know. So I I kind of think she just sees what she likes and picks it and then she just says do this, but then she has a whole team behind her that turns it into something slightly more professional, but she just Mm. has her thing that she likes and then that's it.
1: I'm going to contradict that by saying if you refresh her Instagram – The last thing she posted in a row was three photos of her with her hands on her face saying first pic I've ever done with my hands on my face like this years a year of first times on the bucket list I guess and then the next one she does roses of the same pic zoomed in and then the next one she said oh no sorry I thought it was her writing I feel like I posted the same thing three times felt wrong but it was a commenter because Brittany didn't put a caption (laughs) which is like quite chaotic in itself yes. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I love white team. I I think she's very impulsive and she just picks what she likes and posts it. And I think she just saw that picture of her and him and was like, yep, that one. Yes. You know, because it looks like someone took it on an iPhone. It's not even like a professionally. But then the pictures are a mix of professionally shot and iPhone (laughs) and like IG story zoom-ins and
1: it's all just very amazing. Love. So she wore custom Versace. Yep, fabulous. And then she also wore... A black mini dress, a two-toned outfit, I haven't seen a photo of that, and finally a red mini dress all by Versace. Donatella was obviously at the wedding as well. Mm -hmm. The couple didn't have a first dance, Mm. but Selena Gomez, Madonna, and the bride danced together to Toxic, followed by Paris and Britney singing Stars Are Blind.
2: (laughs) This all sounds like it would have been really random to experience.
1: Yes. Like just those 12 people in a giant mansion. If you could have three celebrities at your wedding, who would it be? Oh, my God, that's so hard. It's too hard. They have to be alive. It's, like,
2: in theory, Madonna, because I would so love to meet Madonna and it would be so cool to have her at my wedding, but I also don't think Madonna would be that fun. Hmm. She wouldn't be to me. Like, she would be to Britney Spears, but I feel like if she was there, she'd just be annoyed. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah. I, okay, wait. Britney
2: would probably be more fun than So say Madonna. if
1: you were Britney. Yeah, and you could have any three celebs because obviously like if you inv- if you- Madonna had to come to your and Zach's wedding, she'd probably be off it and she'd be like I'm making millions, but so I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I think Madonna's a great choice. I think Paris
2: Hilton. I think she did well. She did Paris Hilton's well. a great choice. Yes. I'm not I I like I like Drew Barrymore. I think everyone likes Drew Barrymore, but I don't have the like obsessive chip about her but i i get
1: i forgot about that movie ever after what is that oh my god i loved
2: that movie yes the cinderella one yes and angelica houston's her mean mom yes her mean mommy it's the best
1: movie ever she's
2: so beautiful i remember thinking watching that when i was young and being like she's the most beautiful person that's ever (laughs)
1: lived i agree yeah she put up a post saying um and riding in cars with boys wait i do love drew barrymore and i would invite her to my wedding yes Yeah, I think that was perfect. Cut Selena Gomez.
2: Yeah, I love this. Britney's in her own little Britney land. And I love that in that land she's obsessed with Selena Gomez. I know, yeah, It's great.
1: Drew Barrymore's Instagram um, says, what I learned from Ever After is that we all must rescue ourselves and yet still want the fairy tale. And that's exactly what Britney did.
2: Oh, my God, Drew Barrymore. Don't make me cry. I know. I'm already emotionally fragile today.
1: Okay. Oh, I was going to say there's nothing else to talk about, but there is. Brittany's ex-husband of 55 hours tried to crash the <laughs> wedding on live stream and has now been arrested and can't <laughs> and can't go near her. Yeah. Good, someone else out. who popped up at the event on Thursday, unfortunately, with Jay- was Jason Alexander. The dude Spears was married to for 55 hours back in 2004 after a quick wedding in Las Vegas. Alexander live-streamed his interruption of the ceremony and was, still arrest- was soon arrested after declaring his intentions to crash the wedding, shouting, where's Brittany? Yuck. Get Alexander- out of there. Alexander also had an outstanding warrant from Napa and now faces additional charges. <laughs> he was also spotted at some of the free Brittany <laughs> events during her legal battle over her conservatorship. A supportive
2: ex. I mean, we're laughing, but, like, in America, he probably had, like, a fucking AK-47 on him or something. Yeah. Glad he was arrested.
1: I also didn't realize, and I don't know if we've discussed this, but in February, Britney secured 50, a fifteen million dollar publishing deal to tell her story. Excellent. Good on her. I hope she's a ghostwriter. We. I hope, a ghost <laughs> I, say, yeah. um, I hope she doesn't have a ghostwriter. I was going to say, what's wrong with you?
2: Yeah. I hope she doesn't have a ghostwriter. I. Yeah. Imagine that if that was our job, if
1: we landed that final things. They signed an ironclad prenup. She didn't invite her mum and sister. And then her mum like comments on her Instagram saying, "You look so happy. Love you." It's like go away. Go Lynn. away, Lynn. And they bought a Calabasas mansion afterwards for eleven point eight million US dollars near Kevin Federline, who reportedly finds it weird that she chose that neighborhood. What? I'm like, how Why does Kevin Federline yeah. afford how he a house in that? Calabasas? Yeah. That's literally the first thing I thought. That's outrageous for him to say it's weird that she's. We just thought out of all of the gated communities, why choose Calabasas? And it's obviously, like, because the Kardashians are living there. It's the best. Fuck off, Kevin. And then the last point is what do we think of Sam Woodjibus? I think my
2: vibe was always – I think my vibe, everyone's vibe of him was there was something maybe mildly suspicious about him before we knew where he stood with the conservatorship stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think since she's free and the first thing she's done is, like – try to have a child and get married and he calls her dad a dick and did that, like, wacky New York Times profile. I kind of feel like maybe they're made for each other in this weird way. Like, they're both kooky little
1: yeah, oddballs who have fallen in love. Have you ever watched Selling Sunset? Only a little bit. Even if you've watched, like, one or two of the first ever episodes, do you know the guy who's with shit? Everyone's going to be hating me. Mary, I think? The Mm. Israeli one. The, like, jockey dumb guy. Oh, yeah. No, Mary is dating Ro- <laughs> Romaine. Oh, Romaine, yes. That's, yes. like, Sam to me. Yes, They're yes. the same, so just, true. like, beef idiots, but mean well.
2: But mean well, yeah. yeah. And you're judging them because they're handsome you think that they're dicks, but they're not. They're just, like, a little dopey and sweet. And yeah. Brittany seems really happy. I'm stoked for her. Same. Uh, she also said... <laughs> Um Britney Spears's brother Brian Spears who I've actually never heard of before said that he suggested he was invited to her wedding when he wasn't and she said you were never invited to my wedding so why even respond do you honestly think i want my brother there who told who told me no to a jack and coke for 4 years dot 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 what and then she said go fuck yourself Brian <laughs>
1: Wait, what? (laughs) Who told her she couldn't have a Jack and Coke for four years? Yeah. That's what she said. (laughs) That's so iconic. A Jack and Coke. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was with a very cool London couple at Primavera. (laughs) <laughs> and they drank. I asked, "What you want? What do you want to drink?" And they said a Jack and Coke. I'd rather not drink than
2: drink a Jack and Coke. I know. I was like, "God, <sighs> I'm, I'm so No, it's it's nasty. But I drink a lot of nasty stuff, so I get it. It's just not for me. Yeah. She goes, "If we were going to drink together at the wedding and play the classy roles for the children, like you and our mum, Lynn Spears, did, as you literally hid coffee and alcohol from me when I would come home, you hurt me, and you know it. <laughs> you would hide coffee and alcohol, <laughs> Brian." So happy! I'm happy for Brittany. I'm mainly happy that she got an ironclad prenup because I think it would just—we can all take a relaxed breath.
1: (laughs) No, I know, but she's such a little pea brain. She's probably like bought the house and put both in. She just will—he'll if they broke up, he'll leave with a lot of money. But at least, so basically, the prenup says that he won't be entitled to anything she made up until like the point of them meeting, which is sixty million okay but cool. then, like, and she probably i don't i don't reckon she's gonna release music and tour again But that's what i mean she's yeah. probably like spending heaps of that money on like her and his stuff that he'll yeah. probably there'll be like something he'll get money but
2: oh she'll probably like finance a movie that he's the lead in that no one will yeah watch oh jato anyway mazel tov congrats <laughs> Okay, on to a story that is a shameful blight on the Australian media that has happened this week, which is that beautiful, angelic Rebel Wilson, who has already been tortured by the Australian tabloids, has been pulled through the ringer by being, I mean, I want to use my words carefully, but I would say was pressured by the Australian newspaper, the Sydney Morning Herald, to divulge. Her new relationship with jewelry designer, where's her name? Ramona, Ramona Agruma. It's an unfortunate name.
1: <laughs> I don't know if she's a jewelry designer. I thought she made loungewear, but maybe she makes a lot of things.
2: Ah. Yeah, nothing could be wrong. too well. <laughs> it sounds like Agruma. Groomer. A groomer. <laughs> um, Ramona. And she, as. Basically, was asked by Andrew Hornery, who is the Sydney Morning Herald gossip columnist, to, which you're both saying is just, like, such a random job.
1: I can't believe that's a job. <laughs> I'd be so embarrassed if that was my job.
2: Um Saying that as, like, podcasters.
1: <laughs> I know. Literally. <laughs>
2: um We, who had gotten wind that Revel was in a relationship with Ramona, who she had been posting about on her Instagram, but as – Rebel has only dated men publicly that we're aware of in the past. Um, It hadn't been picked up on as a new relationship. And because Andrew had heard that they were dating, sent an email to Rebel's people saying, we want to run this story. We have enough sources to go to print. We're giving you the time to respond, which I think Rebel and her team rightly saw as, if not a threat, then a bit of an ultimatum. And so Rebel went ahead and published Uh, Posted a picture of herself with Ramona announcing them as a couple. It's Pride Month. She did it under this beautiful Love is Love banner. Everyone was celebrating. And then Andrew Hornery wrote a snipey piece in place of what would have been his column, basically having a go at Rebel for revealing her own relationship because it ruined his scoop.
1: Yeah, it was quite crazy. So basically, the newspaper, I'm actually not sure if you just said this because I zoned out for a second. (laughs) but the newspaper gave her two days to respond did you say that yes and yeah instead she obviously chose to post it herself so then he writes this big thing being like saying it was a big mistake that they gave her two days to respond which is literally like your job as a journalist (laughs) um and he wrote that wilson opted to gazump what even is that the story posting about her new disney princess in like quotation marks on Instagram early Friday morning the same platform she'd previously used to brag about her handsome ex-boyfriend, wealthy American beer baron Jacob Bush. But, like, what's that got to do with anything? Then he said, considering how bitterly Wilson had complained about poor journalism standards when she successfully sued Women's Day for defamation, her choice to ignore our discreet, genuine, and honest queries was, in our view, underwhelming. Of course, any. Of course, who anyone dates is their business. But wasn't, oh, of course. <laughs> but Wilson happily fed such what is purient it? purient interest when she had a hunky boyfriend on her arm. So that
2: whole column was obviously rightfully slammed everywhere and has since been unpublished. And Andrew Horner has made a groveling apology by the name of, I made mistakes over Rebel Wilson and I will learn from them. <laughs>
1: I know. And he quickly mentions he's gay in it. Yes. To try and, like, get people to calm down. It's that idea that – and also I I think the most incriminating
2: part of the email he sent to Wilson's team was this reference to it being Pride Month is what made it feel slightly veiled. Mm. And I just think that there's a lot to be said about this. I think the tall poppy thing in Australia with – Rebel Wilson, is so, Rebel Wilson is so well established. The NW case that she won, which was like the highest defamation case, actually was at my former employer, Bauer Media. I was working there at the time that the case was happening. But it was so obvious to me, at least, that that story was in such bad taste. I know tabloids are always in bad taste, but really basically trying to make out like she was this serial Anna Delvey-esque liar because she'd – Oh, her age, right? And her name. I was like, no one in Hollywood is using their real name. Like it's the whole thing was just quite hideous and she rightfully won that case. And the fact that she's already had to deal deal with that from the Australian media and has now been pushed into a position where she's been given 48 hours. I was just thinking about if this was just your partner say nothing of – you know, maybe your friends and family, maybe you have people in your life who don't know that you're dating a woman. If it was just someone you were dating being told, you've got 48 hours to respond to this, or we're going to publish it in a newspaper when you've just started figuring out what's going on and you just blah, blah blah. Like, it's just a horrible practice in the first place. But to do it with someone when it's their first time dating someone of the same gender, when you don't know any of the context, is just hideous it's it feels so horribly old-fashioned and like just really bad of australian media like i feel
1: horrible about it i know it's so weird and old school Like everyone was saying it feels like it's like the 90s again yes so then yeah obviously everyone was posting screenshots of the article on twitter and rebel actually replied confirming that this is what happened saying thanks for your comments it was a very hard situation but trying to handle it with grace so yeah i it's just like yeah forcing anyone to come out is insane and in a lot of cases can actually be like very dangerous and then he even went so far as to say that she wouldn't suffer the same kind of like homophobia that other people did it's like where are you getting that from
2: yeah like you're the, what does that even yeah, mean? Yeah. And saying you were more than happy to talk about your relationship when it was a man, like trying to suggest that she's a, it's a sign she's ashamed of it because she doesn't want to come out and say Yeah, well it. I'm just,
1: sure she probably didn't post about dating Jason within the first few months either. And mm-hmm. you're still
2: trying to figure it out. It's just so the media is just so cruel. I also think what's quite interesting is there's been a lot of internal media, Twittery discussions about who's at faults for this article coming out the editor of the Sydney morning herald is a guy called bevan shields and he was hired in january and he's only 36 years old wow and he's been embroiled in what feels to me like a minor thing but i think when you're a hard news journalist this might have been a bigger deal but he wrongly apparently he apparently wrongly dug his heels in that like uh, the train systems being shut down by the new south wales government was a strike and it kind of was embarrassing to the paper because it, it was not true and they had to something.
1: They're so boring.
2: So boring. But the there was an internal anonymous staffer sent an email to the whole of the Sydney Morning Herald editorial team criticising Bevan Shields and basically saying that while Andrew Hornery made a mistake in writing such a like defensive snipey piece, the fact that it was published shows an error in senior management rather than... With the journalist, Mm. and that his mistakes are are more forgivable than the people that allowed it to be published, and Bevan Shields really um, he just has that like one of those names that you just have to say whole. Yes, Bevan. Bevan Shields. Bev. (laughs) Bev. Kind of wrote a piece that seemed quite dismissive, saying. Everything about how the journalist went about this piece was totally normal and routine and everyone got over it and then had to kind of redact that and say, I'm sorry, we've unpublished the article. Here's Andrew's apology, which was kind of embarrassing for them. And what the anonymous staffer who emailed the Sydney Morning Herald people, this was reported in The Guardian, brought up was that the Sydney Morning Herald had actually, this horrible thing in the history of Australian media was that in the 70s, the Sydney Morning Herald published the names, addresses, and occupations of dozens of people who marched in the 1978
1: Mardi Gras. That is so fucked.
2: Which is like the a literal name and, and addresses. shame. And names, addresses, and jobs. It's like doxing people. They doxed all these people. So there's this kind of history, dark history of the Sydney Morning Herald being complicit in kind of like terribly outing people so this idea that like management allowed something like that to happen again i think is a very fair criticism i
1: agree i also want the australian newspapers just leave river wilson alone they
2: should just be banned from talking about her except to say what a good and funny actor she is i know full stop
1: this kind of leads into something else we were wanting to discuss a few other articles the girlies have done their research this week (laughs) (laughs) And um, one of them is on, well, the couple at the center is the Sartorialist and Jenny Walton, who announced their breakup via a statement on Instagram. So if you're unaware of who these people are, which I kind of was, the Sartorialist like, rose to fame way back in the day when streets, basically he kind of like made taking street style pics of normal people really popular online. It was the early days of blogging, right? Mm-hmm. And then he dated Garance Dor, who was also a blogger, who we've talked about on the pod kind of recently for her, like, COVID escapades, right? Oh, yeah. She's, she, lives in, she was in New Zealand or something. She was That's, dating some guy yeah, in she New was
2: Zealand. around. I actually do love – I think we said at the time, like I was like I an OG stan yeah. of hers. Yeah. But her comments and well, she was just saying stuff about, like, France.
1: Yeah, it was and very then, French. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then Ginny Walton is another very chic – influencery person and they were together for seven years. Um they announced their breakup in this way that got like it was really funny because basically so many people are still obsessed with them even though it's been years since they were like really super, super relevant. Mm. So it prompted like Twitter threads about and like Reddit Things about why they'd broken up, and then someone on Twitter was like, Gorka needs to do an investigation. So Gorka did an investigation, <laughs> which was so silly, which was so funny. And then, uh, I love that Gorka's back, I know. So, yeah. And then we were kind of talking it. about how, even just off the back of Rebel Wilson and her dating this like rando woman called R- Ram- Ramona, Ramona, it's like, why do we care? who people date, and I understand kind of with celebrities, but then with these people, with these influencers, I was like, Mm -hmm. it's actually so random. And then I was thinking about, like, our parasocial relationship with people who are, for all intents and purposes, just other normal people. So, like, Camille Charrier, for example, who we both follow, who's chic and stylish influencer and writer. I, like, randomly just know that her husband, whatever, Frederico... Something starting, something, something French, potentially yeah. starting with F. Yeah. You know, I'm really happy they got married because I know that she had this tough time and like couldn't find a guy that she loved and was obsessed with some guy who thought she was Jare. And then I like everyone, it's funny because you see the content of like any influencer will tell you the content of their personal eyes, her wedding photos, her husband on the couch performed so much better than her work photos which is like kind of predominantly why people follow her in the first place it's so weird the the intersection of it all a
2: hundred percent i was i think the thing that shocked me most about the jenny walton scott schumann breakup was that they did a celebrity style it's almost the equivalent to like when brad and jen broke up where they did like a public statement and i just thought god are two like kind of i get they're famous but like semi-random fashion influences Big enough to do.
1: I find that so a public statement,
2: and it's Jada. But then I'm also like, either a they are aware of how. I mean, they've got like a million and half million followers, respectively. I get that that's a big number, but they're either so aware of how invested people are in their relationships because they're interacting with fans constantly, and they know behind the scenes that they need to say something about it, otherwise people just won't get off their back. Or B, the more cynical view, which I think that the dirt – is it The Dirt? It's uh, Yeah, it's a um, newsletter called Dirt. Yes. Their piece, which was great, was basically saying that a more cynical view, which they argue is what happened, is that because their relationship caused so much engagement for them both that they're capitalizing on their breakup. They've agreed to almost capitalize on their breakup for engagement as well because this micro-narrative is part of what their personal brand is. So they may as well use it as best as they can. To kind of get back in the
1: headlines.
2: Yeah, to get back in the headlines or to, like, just have people discussing them like we currently are. Mm. Have engagement up, have people say, oh, my God, how are you going with the breakup? You look so amazing. Who are you going to date next? Who are you going to blah, blah, blah? There's been both Jenny and Scott have posted – like, this is me moving out of our apartment videos, and mm-hmm. this is me apartment hunting. Or he posted this like extremely jarrette topless Stop. photo. I know. When
1: you told me about this before, I was like, I can't. Also, I don't know. He gives me, he, I, I get really bad energy from him. I have always got very, I don't, I feel like we get sued for
2: defamation <laughs> for saying he has bad energy, but he does. I and mean, there was all this stuff with Garron's door where she talked to afterwards about how. He would like limit what she could eat and things. Mm. His his bad. And when he
1: got with Ginny, Mm -hmm. she was a student, as in like had no twenty, yeah, two or something, and had no name. And he was like forty six, maybe. And And really, it's hard to
2: if you didn't weren't
1: there at the time and
2: felt it. It's hard to explain what a big deal he was. Yeah, I I wasn't when she met him, like it, it would be like
1: like super famous, and for someone who
2: wants to work in fashion. To be picked by him as your kind of muse where you're taking photos of their outfits a lot as a young design
1: student would be massive. Mm. So, yeah, he got with her when she was a young student and then I think by the looks of his – Wait, did you even explain the shirtless selfie? By the looks of that, (laughs) yeah, she broke up with him. (laughs) Yes, he took a, a shirtless selfie
2: and said, never too late to be in the best shape of your life. That's
1: fucking illegal, honestly. So illegal. I know. I, I, he's a short imagine, king as like, well.
2: He's five foot one. I was like, Lord. what? Yeah, Jordan. that's really short. The shirt, and someone tweeted, the shirtless mirror selfie accompanied with never too late to be in the best shape of your life has made me Team Jenny.
1: <laughs> 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 Agree. Um, imagine if you broke up with Zach and yeah. he posted yeah. a shirtless mirror selfie saying never too late to be in the best shape of your life. Would But you he not, was 55, yeah. Would you not throw – like, <laughs> yeah. any time. Would you anytime, not fucking yeah. throw your phone out the window and be like, I cannot – like, it would give me the ick in so many different dimensions that I just could never believe that I dated that person. A lot of the ick. Agree.
2: And the fact people were saying this is – again, we're being fucking parasocial by talking about this, but this was presented to us. This yes. was presented to us as a news story as opposed to us seeking this out. But people were saying that her breakup post had – was just text and his was, like, a photo of them together and it was almost him being, like, look how hot my ex-girlfriend was kind of thing, as in, like, Uh, as in a sign that maybe she broke up with him
1: because that's random to do. Also, so many guys lean on having – this is the thing. This is what happens is one hot young girl will fall for a man like this Mm -hmm. and then because the hot young girl is his, like, reference, he'll get other – Girls? Yes,
2: it, which it works. Like, unfortunately, no. Seriously,
1: I would date like him. Anyone that I would date. <laughs> I date anyone that like Bella had. I date yeah. fucking Mark. Mark What's yeah. his name? Obviously, he wouldn't go near me. Mark Kalman because he dated Bella or like the shift doer. Used to go out with like just because.
2: Yes. Whereas if you didn't have that context, you would yeah. not give them the time of yeah. day. I know women. We have something going People. on up here that's random. No, know. In this dirt piece, it brings up our fave Anne Helen Peterson. and really? It says, in Rules of the Game, A Century of Hollywood Publicity, Anne Helen Peterson traces the evolution of Hollywood publicity from the initially symbiotic relationship between the studio system and fan magazines to the age of social media where celebrities control their images through various social accounts. In the days of the studio system – Information about the personalities and private lives of Hollywood stars became a new site of authenticity. Over the last century, this demand for authenticity from those we dedicate our attention to has spawned influencer culture. What is more authentic than ordinary people with acne presenting their ordinary lives for the perusal of others, but like so much on the internet, the product has changed. As influencers morphed from having acne to launching their own skincare lines, the everyday of their lives became less ordinary." These days, nothing feels more authentic than influencers trying to be authentic in the depiction of their lives.
1: Very true. Very
2: true. So this feels very cringy. It's like an attempt to show behind the scenes of their relationship because they shared so much of the upside, but it feels so stage managed and PR hungry that it feels really inauthentic
1: yeah so she posted a photo of her new apartment and said let's try this again with a smiley face Mm. and obviously it's going to get so much engagement we're all so fucking nosy too i just i don't know why i care about the ins and outs of things like this because it's never just as in it's never even that interesting it's just like like people's breakups or what happened or whatever
2: this is what's so difficult because it's It's very easy to poke fun at, like, our parasocial obsession with celebrities and their relationships.
1: We're just nosy. Everyone's nosy. But we're
2: nosy. And also, like, the thing I always think about is, like, with this couple, people – want the good and not the bad people will offer up their relationship when their relationship is good to get more engagement and to get more fans mm-hmm. followers but it's a deal with the devil because once you let people into that it's why those it's why a certain type of celebrity never ever ever discusses anything about their relationships and I never used to understand it because I was like who gives a shit if you're married you can say we're married we have a baby whatever but as soon as you open that door you can't close it like you've opened up your personal life to like public dissection and it's not like you owe everyone every tiny detail of it but it's a very difficult line to tread because it is a weird thing to do to commodify your personal relationships is weird
1: well to com- commodify your personal life is weird mm-hmm. which leads into like very briefly because we're running out of time we're but already- we've
2: kind of done that you know yeah. without doing it intentionally
1: <laughs> yeah do you mean our how- friendship on this or yeah think- like
2: our, po- we talk about like I just talked about like my grandma dying and you've talked about like really personal things in your life we're not commodifying it in the sense that like we're trying to make money off of that but this podcast is us being authentically friends authentically talking about ourselves and our lives alongside work and obviously people feel a connection to that because we're offering it up mm. and then if someone said something like I don't know. You, you, have you, you and Zach. Did
1: grandma. Yeah. No,
2: if someone was like, have you and Zach broken up because I hadn't posted about him in ages, I'd be like, that's none of your fucking business. But, <laughs> but yes. it's like, yeah. because I've opened yeah. even the tiniest thing, I can understand why people would care.
1: I've opened so much. I, I know. Today and I, I said to you, um, <laughs> <laughs> I literally said to Grace, oh my God, sometimes I like get a flashback to the fact that I talked about, I think I actually said this on Patreon. So now I'm like opening it. Up a fucking wormhole I can't I can't okay I said on Patreon once when I was really wasted that I like enjoy <laughs> why am I saying it again I just literally said I can't believe I said that I enjoy something Beep. was it on Patreon it was definitely on Patreon for sure I feel like you need to say it now because people feel like excluded oh <laughs> I basically said I enjoy like looking at people's feet <laughs> not in a creepy <laughs> sexual way just in like an interest because the they're always like way. in shoes it's like hands and feet. No. Like, I'm just like, oh my god!
2: I know then you were saying like, "Oh my god, this person has like such nice hands," and I was like, "It's hands as well."
1: You should have like caveated. No, yeah,
2: you just said feet before, which sounds more
1: perverse. Perverse. But um, yeah. Then today when we were sitting for lunch, I go, I, I like have flashed because I was showing Grace someone's feet. <laughs> <laughs> someone's bad feet. I don't like just looking at good feet. I'm just like they're just interesting. They're just gross and weird. Like they're just funny. It's because over the
2: past like month of chaotic recordings we've either either been one of us has been wasted and one has been completely sober and depending on which one you said some sort of like dark depraved
1: (laughs) (laughs) so anyway then we're at lunch i was like i can't believe i said that on the podcast i like fully forgot and then i came to one day i was like people must the amount of things we say over obviously recording this thing like,
2: yes, because week, we're just in a week. room being idiots and then we're probably off the cuff saying, like, deep personal I, I
1: often think secrets. I'm just chatting to you, honestly. Like, it, because people, someone said the other day they were just like, oh, I could never do a podcast. It, it's so – that feels so crazy. And I was like, because it literally feels like I'm chatting to you until I'm in Sydney and I have girls coming up saying they listen. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, I'm hey. Like, how are your like bunions? a real-life yeah. person. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but But, yeah, as you say, like – the commodifying of things is it just is interesting because it's like you do I don't know get so much more out of it work as in like with for these influencers them posting their personal lives they will know like I'm sure Camille Chariot isn't just like actively like shoving up her husband randomly or like yeah spontaneously it, yeah. it's exactly. like exactly she knows that it's going to get her more engagement it's going to get her more followers and, and then when she posts a fucking Burberry Sponcon, um it's going to show high up in the grid and then we just read this piece on called influencer creep which is on real life mag which i like had never heard of um and she was kind of talking about a similar thing to what we've talked about before in terms of like having a personal brand and how it's really shit being like predominantly in the creative industries and mm. being forced to kind of like be on instagram all the time and grow this social media following and like i'm so sick of hearing the word social media if i never hear that again i'll fucking die happy i know i want to go back to the fucking middle ages honestly, and just
2: fucking milk a cow and like churn some butter and have a simple life (laughs) don't worry about my fucking disgusting (laughs) instagram account that no one cares
1: I'm gonna wear a bonnet. And We'd like, be like the first. To, you'd be like the first to die if we had to go back. I would to. die of like typhoid, and, like <laughs> before we even you'd landed. Be to- in the beach. <laughs> We'd like buzz in, and I'd be like, "You'd what? be the sick girl who dies of like a cold,
2: <laughs> a common cold." I know. Yeah, like in those books, there was always like a sickly sister. Yes, yeah, that would yeah. be you, Hundo.
1: Um, but. We, we've talked about it in relation to, like, creative industries, but this person went further and just talked about it in relation to, like, essentially every industry. She was talking about finance and pleasure. They were talking about uh, her social – which, I mean, I guess makes sense because you're, like, a personality and they want views. But their social media followings were so essential, how much they posted on social media. This writer was talking to a basket maker, florists, photographers. Obviously, these are all kind of, like, in a similar thing. Landscapers, all of whom are saying they have to – cultivate this online presence which is like another fucking job in itself Mm. and yeah the self-branding thing yeah to build a seductive narrative for her art one artist crafted her small flat into an enviable instagram backdrop for staging shelfies and mantlescaping she told me she was currently trying to push into bedside tablescaping a basket maker basket maker who uses homegrown willow explained it's the easiest craft on the planet to represent because it's so photogenic photographers have repeatedly volunteered to take photographs of her process and she was under no illusion about what she was selling not so much baskets as the perfect bohemian linen clad family
2: I was thinking about this the other day and I'm I'm trying to figure out how to articulate this properly but I was talking I was back in Perth and I was with my family and we were talking about basically in the era before ours people had brand loyalty in the sense that you decided where you were going to buy your clothes, your bedding, your shoes, your food shopping. And you just did that week in, week in, or month in, month in, or year in, year out. And that was just it. Like there was a simplicity. And so businesses could grow around this like growing, loyal customer base. And now we're so fickle and determined by what we see on Instagram, what the new app is, what the new thing we've seen on tiktok is what the new skincare, like a skincare, is probably a good example say uh um, my late grandmother as an example like loved clinique estee lauder and clinique and would just buy those every six months right mm-hmm. didn't think about it wasn't like
1: yeah what, it's like the elizabeth arden game. yeah
2: how could i optimize how can i get better oh that looks great just you find your thing and then that's just it and you just refill and restock and now we're in this era where we don't We kind of don't have any loyalty, but we are just attracted. We just go with the winds of what's changing. And I therefore understand why every single business now has to fight for our attention
1: Mm.
2: because we're just fucking beholden (laughs) to these these apps and algorithms and that means that everyone has to shift their behavior to trying to get our attention because we're kind of culpable because we're shopping places based off, you know, it's just like a system.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm ready to buy Skim's beauty.
2: Yeah, I, I don't have any brand loyalty. I think that's what I'm trying to say. I don't really yeah. go, I, a little bit, but I don't same. go to the same. And then a business could kind of carefully just spend time focusing on making their products a little bit better or a bit of thing if they weren't panicked that 90% of their customer base is going to run in another direction because... Hailey Bieber's released a skincare brand.
1: Yeah, similar with fashion and how fashion designers, like mm-hmm. really intense, expensive designers, are now just doing trend pieces that are gonna go crazy on Instagram for like five minutes.
2: They're just trying to grab your attention mm. because I think back in the day you'd be like, I don't know, I'm a prada girl, I'm a YSL girl. When a new collection comes out, I'm gonna go buy something from it because I love everything that they do, and that's what I, you know, it's just such a quaint, old-fashioned idea.
1: And you with Mark Jacobs Heaven, <laughs> yes. And
2: it's it's great because it's good to give people options and keep brands on their toes. But it's also hard because then every business is like, is like almost a race to the bottom. Something becomes cool, everyone tries to copy it. Something else becomes. It's just it would be so manic running a business.
1: Oh, I'd fully forgotten where we started, but I'm back. In the basket weaving. Okay, bye. Love you. <laughs> You're gonna say goodbye to the girls. Oh, bye. <laughs>
0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars